From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Karl Brasse on YAG vitriolysis and Gunther Grabner on whether femto has staying power. You have to have a distance of two to three millimeters from the retina and on the other side, stay away from the lens. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you. Speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the ESCRS in London. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we will hear from Karl Brasse on YAG vitriolysis and Gunther Grabner on whether Femto has staying power. I'm very pleased to be here with Karl Brasse. Karl, you demonstrated a, a beautiful, beautiful presentation on... Um, YAG vitriolysis for, for, for floaters. Let me have you talk me through, first of all, what the procedure is, how it works, mm-hmm. and what your experience is when you're actually doing the treatment, mm-hmm. what you see, and, and how technically challenging it is. So, Joss, it's a great pleasure to be here uh, talking to you and getting the invitation. So, a year ago at ESCS meeting in Amsterdam, I came across a, a laser. Uh, that is able to go in deep into the vitreous and to do uh, laser treatment of floaters. You and I, we have so many patients that are frustrating of floaters and what they get to hear from us of course, is yeah. you, you got to live with them or you have to go through a vitrectomy. You know as well that vitrectomies, you really have to think about it for young patients, all those complications they, 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 uh, they have in front of them. So. I got so excited, I needed a yuck laser anyhow, and uh, I got it and I started to do yuck laser treatments in the interior segment, uh, uh, secondary cataract, uh, uh, iridotomies, and this laser worked so well because uh, the company, may I talk uh, to... You can mention a company yeah. name, that's all right. So, um, so Alex... Uh, the new laser from Alex has the has the uh, the property that all six beams are uh, parallel to each other. It is the the illumination beam, the uh, observation beam, two observation beams, the two targeting beams, and the laser beam. And using a uh, correct lens um, enables you to go deep into the vitreous and to do a safe procedure there. Of course, like all of my colleagues, I was quite suspicious and thought, well, can you do that? Uh, What happens? Uh, 
but I, I started in the anterior segment of the vitreous uh, and noticed that my uh, yaks uh, capsulotted me. They, they, they were so beautiful and so much more controlled and so much better that I got confidence to go deeper. I tr started to uh, learn, I started to shoot into the vitreous, deeper into the vitreous. I started to cut strings and little globules and, and uh, was surprised how wonderful that worked. Uh, now, the, the key when you want to get rid of floaters is not just to cut them. This is what I first thought. Uh, I, I had to learn. I went to the physical basics of, of laser surgery again and uh, John Karikov from Virginia, who is the mastermind behind this procedure, he developed it over the past 20 years. He even brought uh, 200 patients uh, to uh, study with the FDA, which was approved. Uh, and uh, he has a few supporters like uh, James Johnson in, in Orange County, who just does, uh, just does do floaters. But I'm surprised uh, still that uh, not many colleagues are doing the procedure. I predict that uh, with the work they see from more patients now, uh, colleagues now using the laser, that m many of us will offer the procedures within the next five years. For me, this is really the procedure of, uh, of the past year. And uh, so how, what, what happens with the laser treatment? You focus on the, on the floater and with the YAC you create a, a, a temperature of 4000 degrees uh, in, the, in, the, in the point of focus. You have, you create a plasm, plasma, which um, is a gas consisting of uh, ions and electrons with a lot of energy. And this melts solid matter away and brings it into gas. The key is to vaporize the, the floater, not just to shoot it into pieces. So no patient would be made happy. Um, that is basically the procedure. Still, we are deep in the vitreous. You have to fulfill certain guidelines so that you have uh, to have a distance of two to three millimeters from the retina, and on the on the other side, uh, stay away from the from the lens. Uh, uh, when you start the procedure, it's much easier to start with pseudophagic patients. Then you just have to take care of the retina. So still, colleagues will ask and patients as well why, why are you just doing it uh, it's, it's like with the, with the invention of, of the, the FACO machine so many people were hesitant and uh, some colleagues had a, had a hard time uh, but uh, still I'm absolutely believe now that this is a wonderful procedure safe to do uh, and uh, with a short learning curve is it is it technically challenging um, not really. Uh, we all know how to use yak lasers. Uh, colleagues putting in lenses and doing yak laser treatments of, of the, of the capsulotomies will be do, able to do this as well. Now, you were telling me that the, that the energy settings that you use are, are higher than That's I'm used right. to using for, for capsulotomies. That's right. That's right. Uh, you see, the, uh, you can talk hours about the procedure, about the details. Uh, um, you need a higher 
level of energy because uh, a lot of the energy is resorbed on the way to the posterior vitreous. In particular, if you're dealing with high myopes, uh, then to have the same level of effect, which you know from the anterior chamber, from, from the IOL, you, it has to be two to three times higher. Oh, I see, just because there's a lot of tissue That's right, that you're passing uh, through. I saw that you you use uh, settings as, as, as high as uh, 20, 22 millijoules. That's right. I, you have to, in, on the average, use an energy of seven millijoules to, get, uh, to create a plasma effect in the vitreous. And when you feel safe that you have a lot of distance to the retina or to the natural lens, then you increase it uh, in, with a multiburst mode and reach levels of 21, 25, uh, and then the floater melts away. And what is the the total energy that you you deliver right. to, to an eye with a, a, an eye with a, a substantial floater? Yeah. Let's say. So I I was skeptical at the beginning. Uh, I started just with 500 uh, millijoule, but uh, I haven't had uh, all of the floater. Then I got more confidence, I increased it. In between, I, I stopped the procedure again, have taken the patient to the slit lamp, have done an optoscan of the retina, checked the pressure, looked for cells, uh, did it in a couple of days, not, not the entire procedure in one seating. But never ever something happened. I told you that I've done this uh, study now with 100 cases. Uh, I haven't had one complication. Uh, yeah, it's really something. And they're beautiful pictures, you know, very, very clear. Mm -hmm. And uh, Carl, this is really neat stuff. And it, it certainly is, is thought-provoking. Because, uh, you know, I don't do this and, and my colleagues don't. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's certainly something for yeah. us to consider. Uh, Carl, I, I want to thank you very much for, for bringing this to us, bringing these beautiful photographs, uh, and for being so generous with your time with us today. Well, it was a pleasure doing that. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I'm here with Gunter Grabner. Gunter, I'm so happy that, that you know, to have this opportunity to speak with you. You gave a wonderful, wonderful talk. The, uh, the Ridley Medal Lecture. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that you covered. We're not going to be able to cover it all now. Let's talk ab about an important topic going going forward. You know, I I in the in the U.S. and of course in Europe too, the, the femtosecond laser I I is is an important topic. It's something that, that that comes up very very frequently at the at the meeting. It's something that um, we're beginning to 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 do too. Let me ask you a really fundamental question. Do you think that the femtosecond laser, that that sort of technology, has staying power? Well, that's a very good question. I've been asked many times. I think the answer is yes. I think that uh, from a point of view of safety for the patient and from probably precision, but this has to be shown uh, in large series, I think, uh, this will be an important advance for the patient. I can say that because I'm working in a public hospital, uh, it's a non-profit hospital in a university setting, and we've tried it at close to 2,000 patients now, unselected patients, non-paying patients, uh, so uh, we really are unbiased. And I think that it offers an additional safety for the patients as far as capsulotomy is concerned, might be improves a little bit of uh, of fragmentation and certainly uh, the ability of the laser to 
uh, do intrastromal arcoid incisions uh, to correct low amounts of astigmatism should in the large series help uh, to improve vision by reducing uh, astigmatism in a very predictable way in basically all the patients that you want to treat, starting from half a diopter up to possibly with the laser up to two diopters and then you would do toric lenses and again for the capsulorexis and other special lenses like the new camera interocular lens that is a very interesting device that we have been using for two years. This will be helpful also. So the answer is I think yes. It has a future, it is going to stay here. I'm convinced that with all this competition with the six companies or seven companies that are on the market now, there has to be a reduction in price, both of the machine, the serving, servicing cost, and the patient interfaces, so that everyone, everyone can use it, very similar to a FACO machine that you shouldn't throw away because you still will need your FACO machine in special cases, but it will be a very good value added in the general uh, cataract uh, population. So, Gunther, the, 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 the calculus that, that, that my colleagues uh, who have not yet started doing FEMTO are making is, is this. They're saying, I I have no problem doing capsule rexis. I, I, I'm very comfortable doing uh, man, manual FACO surgery on the one hand. On the other hand, if this becomes standard of uh, care, I don't want to be the last person to adopt fem Femto. Is it time for them to, to sort of make that jump? To, uh, no, one, no one wants to start a new learning curve, but is it time for, for them to get onto it now, or, or are we going to wait for sort of Femto 2.0? Well, good question again. If you're an early adopter who loves technology, who wants to give the best to your patient, the answer is yes. I remember the times when we switched from ECCE, everyone said we do a perfect cataract surgery with right, ECCE. Right, to FACO, yeah. And to FACO. And, and it took years for the older chaps to move to FACO. But the younger ones who knew that it is really an advantage, they moved forward. And the same with this technology. I think it will be an advance. Uh, it might take another two or three years, but I would bet that in five years you'll find no cataract surgeon who has not access to the use of this modern technology. And they will be much cheaper. Now, do you, do you think that, 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 there will be, that, that this will be built on in the sense that it's going to allow us to use lenses that we that we that we otherwise couldn't use or, or feel more confident with the centration of the lenses because we have these very replicable uh, yes. uh, capsulotomies. Excellent question. I think there are two or three lenses on the market and I'm working with a company on a lens that you that you would kind of fit into the into the capsulotomy and I have many ideas like there, there might be add-on lenses that you put into the capsulotomy like the acufocus type or a multifocal lens and if the patient is not happy you might take off the multifocal lens that you clip to the capsulotomy so there are many options and uh, there will be new lenses coming up and there will be I think it will be a rapid development and clearly the, the, this Th that sort of technology would be predicated on the 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 replicability 
Absolutely. of uh, Capsalon. I mean, Absolutely. they can really only get from the from yeah, the Yeah, I mean, we're doing all a good job with FACO and uh, manual Rexis. I think most of the surgeons here are excellent. Right. And and I think. On the general, we give a very good service to the patients at, at the time right now. But we can improve and, and medicine is, is going to improve. And since technology is here, we will use it and it will be here. And I'm very convinced that in five years, you'll see more machines. It will be, it will be much cheaper. But Gunther, if we start doing better, the patients will expect more from us. No, I'm teasing you. <laughs> Um, uh, this is no, but this is a good question. Yeah. You had this, uh, it's a good question. We raising expectations might be a little bit too much to what we can really give the patients, but still, shouldn't we raise it if we possibly can? And yeah, then, of course. And then strive to give it to hundred percent. Yeah. No, Gunther, thank you very, very much for it. was a wonderful lecture, and, and I, you, I know you're a very busy guy here, but you oh, still made on. the time to uh, share you. with us today. Well, thank you for having me here. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Karl Brasser comes to us from Vreden, Germany. Gunther Grabner comes from Vienna, Austria. Ask questions of Dr. Brasser, Dr. Grabner, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.